Hi. Uh, this is Two Girls, One Two Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And Hi. I am Sabrina. And I feel like I just felt, I just had this weird moment of first day of school. And I just sat up super tall and smiled. And I'm, I, I don't know where that came from. I, I know. I chuckled a little bit at the top <laughs> because, well, that's exciting though, that we still get just as excited coming to record. That's true. So I feel like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong nothing with that. Nothing wrong with that. We're here. And you're all snuggled up in like a nice, cozy little Sherpa yes. sweater, I see. It is my favorite winter. I guess it's still technically fall, but winter no. coat. Be- well, it snowed in New England <gasps> today. So it's basically winter. Congratulations. It's raining in Boston. We got cheated out of it, oh. but everywhere else it's snowing the snow would be so nice actually it's very cold here right i love the first snow that makes me so excited Mm, it's so magical like the feeling in your body this is why not to i mean i've already said a million times i wouldn't live in la again (laughs) and i lived in la for seven years but part of the reason i i felt kind of like some of my joy some of my light was dwindling when i was there was because i feel like i really rely on the seasons changing in the joy and the anticipation you get leading up to yeah. each change. Cause you just have so many like moments where it just like you remember it, mm-hmm. that feeling when it first snows. You remember the first time you go into a restaurant and they have all of the Christmas uh, lights up. You remember the first day in the spring when you yeah. get to take off your jacket. Like those are things that you get to look forward to. And they're universal across everybody who lives in the area <laughs> that you live in. Like everybody has those same feelings and it just feels kind of, you know communal like that everybody's enjoying it together and I yeah like that. it is a very yeah the only exception is that then living through the cold bitter winter is miserable True. it's fun like if it's snowing and and you can like go outside and do like outdoorsy snow snowy activities yeah it you wonderful. have to like outdoor sports mm-hmm. to be able to get through it Although I, I will say the past few winters have been very mild from what I remember growing up. And it does make me a bit concerned for the planet because it's not as hard to live here anymore through winter, which is not great. Mm, no, but not not fantastic. Not Can fantastic. we talk about something a little bit more exciting and, and uplifting? Sure. Elia is excited too. Well, two things. Actually, I just watched the documentary Inside the Mind of a Cat and it was delightful. <laughs> Highly recommend it for anyone who wants a just a, a light and informative documentary about cats. Leia's entering. Oh, blocking my light, of course. She she heard you call for her. But I just started watching The Cabinet of Curiosities, I think it's called. It's Guillermo del Toro's Ooh. new show. And it's kind of like Black Mirror-y in the sense that – or like kind of like Goosebumps where every episode's a different <laughs> – just circling. Every episode is a different story and different characters, different cast. But there's there are two that I watched and they're very spooky. Like one of them's kind of a demonic entity in a storage unit. And another one is about a bunch of birds in a house because of spirits. Like it's really, oh. really cool. Okay. I guess I didn't realize. I, I kept seeing the card come up for it on like Netflix or whatever streaming site it's on. I didn't realize that it was Black Mirror-esque. I think I thought it was kind of like a baking or a craft show, Mm. and I was equally as excited to watch it (laughs) 
for that reason. But now I'm definitely going to binge I've it. I've only seen two. I've heard, you know, there's some that are better than others, but I'm excited to watch mm-hmm. the rest. Did you watch Barbarian on HBO? <gasps> yes. Me too. It is freaky. <laughs> and it's one of those – Twists and turns. It's one of those movies where you don't really know where it's going and it goes in ways you didn't expect. But I really liked yeah. it. Yeah. It's like a good – classic horror movie you can't go into watching this movie and you can't be watching with a really critical eye like it is classic horror there are things that happen that are inhuman you know like you can't go picking things apart and say like oh well that couldn't actually happen yeah and i think that that's what made it enjoyable was like that sort of juxtaposition between scenes that feel very real and acting that feels very real between people and then just this like wild horror yeah. section of the movie it's it's interesting but it does remind me i liked it of, a lot and i i thought of you after finishing it because i was like it does have it follows vibes just in the sense that there is you mm. know an a, di- a deeper meaning on top of being like a fun horror thriller film i think it has you can really dissect the story it also kind of now you're making me think it, it did remind me a bit of the style in which it was filmed felt a little bit like Hills Have Eyes, House mm. of Wax, you know? Yeah. Kind of a, a callback to some of those amazing movies of the 90s and early 2000s. Nick and I – good old horror movies. Nick and I finished it and then I sent him a picture of the woman. And then I – at night was bah, 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 bah. Oh, my God. I also love that you didn't know who the whole cast was. You got surprised. Yeah, there's celebrities so in there, actors. Yeah. <laughs> like whoa oh it was good it was good i just love a good like classic this feels like a it would be a classic horror movie yeah sometimes you need the break from the like true psychological thrillers and to just have a little yeah you know what someone pointed out creature there was that barbarian if you like mix up the letters it does spell airbnb oh which is interesting creepy because it takes place in an airbnb so i'm like what do they have against airbnb the most realistic part of all of that i think was when we won't spoil too much about the movie Mm -hmm. but when the tape measure was brought out (laughs) To measure the extra square footage because it was hilarious. I saw myself in that moment. Oh my god! I was like, okay, I wouldn't just like fully ignore everything. Go into, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I would, I would bring someone else in to investigate. But that, that would be my first thought when I find a secret room. I'd be like, hell yeah, let's see how much more space I have here. <laughs> what can I turn this into? A little bar? Do I have room for a bowling alley in my basement? <laughs> like, how cool? A bowling alley in the basement very, would very be very cool. Yes, but it's a great movie. Now I need to see Nope. That's next <gasps> did, on my did list. Did I tell you I saw it? Nick and I did a rooftop cinema and we saw it. Yes. Great. Did you watch Don't Worry, Darling? I yes. just watched it on the plane. Have you seen it? Oh, you did? No, not yet. But I've been watching all the theory mm. videos online about it and all the like character dissections. So I'm going into the movie, I feel like already knowing quite a bit. Or maybe I'm like cheating my way yeah. into the movie by already kind of like knowing. So I – what it could mean. I do feel like the trailer does give some of it away. And for those of you who watched it, I'm curious if, and for when you watch it, I'm curious if you'll think the same thing. I felt like it ended at the climax of the movie. Huh. Yeah, personally. Okay. Well, I'm interested to watch it because I was reading, or I guess watching a theory that the main guy's wife is actually a robot. 
she's AI. I'll send you that video and then you have to watch the movie because you you have to watch the movie. Okay. I'll probably come back and think the same thing though. Right. But I think that's probably because it's very similar to like Stepford Wives in that way. And I just just rewatched that recently too. Mm, Stepford Wives, classic. Great. I love how it's like we start this episode saying, oh, it's snowing and cold (laughs) and Christmas magic. And you know what that means? Classic horror movies. (laughs) The two always go you know, hand get all in hand up. for me. I, yeah. I feel like the holidays and just when it gets colder, there's nothing better than just curling up in your in your comfies, get a warm weighted mm-hmm. blanket if you like that kind of thing, and just snuggle up with a warm cup of cocoa or, I don't know, mulled wine, hot yes. cider. I just had – Oh, I actually need help from everybody. Oh, what? Are you okay? With my, um, with my Christmas list. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So every year I like to choose one thing in my apartment for either me to upgrade for myself or to like ask for from uh-huh. my family to upgrade my space. Okay. And I really want a nice tea kettle and I'm not an electric kettle person. I am a put it on the stove and let the water boil and contemplate life for 15 minutes while that happens. Okay. You're old person. school. So I'm old school, but I want something that's like really good and really nice and also has to be aesthetically pleasing. So I need help from everyone else. And also like not a $400. That's not what I'm talking about when I say upgrade. Yeah. But like also not 20 bucks from from Target. Like I, I want – currently I'm using just like my normal like pasta pot that I use. Oh. But I want something – I want to feel like I'm in this cozy little So you need like a legit tea kettle. At the bottom of a mountain. I want a legit tea kettle. I'm – what about Smeg? But Does one where Smeg everyone's have- going to go. <gasps> Let me look. Let's Ooh, see if I, like that I love Smeg. Let's see if Smeg has it. Smeg. Well, they have the electric one. And then I was looking at the Staub one as well because you could double double dip on the Staub mm. one and make that sort of like a soup bowl. But other people were saying, I, I don't know. There's good and bad reviews for everything. Well, you know who has one? To tell I me. wish this episode was sponsored by them, but Caraway Home has one. Oh, okay. Shall I email Caraway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that one looks cute. Please. <laughs> and they have different colors. Oh, La Crusette has a good one. Oh, this is? Yep. This might be the vibe you're going for. I'm going to show it to everyone. Okay. This has like old farmhouse. Is it the copper one? Cottage. Oh, the La Crusette one. I did look at that one online too. See, I just can't make a decision and I need people to help me. And I love the copper ones, but you can't always use the copper on certain stovetops. Mm. And I don't know where I'm going to live always. So. All right. Well, everyone else send send <sighs> suggestions. Yeah. I was also. <laughs> Let me know. You know what else I need help for? Because this is now the call to action part of our podcast which we just created. Nick and I are going to South Africa. Leia has the zoomies. Nick and I are going to South Africa for our honeymoon, which we haven't done for two years. And we're going for Christmas and New Year's this year. And if anyone's from South Africa or been to South Africa and Cape Town specifically, we would love activity recommendations and restaurant recommendations. Mm, Yeah. What is the, what is the like, food that you have to try yeah, I don't when know. you're in that area. What is local to only that area that you'll be in? That's a good question. I'm curious. I would love to know. Too. We're doing this like 14 course authentic dinner one night. How do you do that as a vegetarian? Do they you have, have vegetarian, vegetarian options. Make modifications. Mm-hmm. They have vegetarian Oh, options. good. Good. And then we're doing a safari. I'm so excited. It's going to be so That's fun. so fun. So fun. How many people are in the group for the safari? Do you I know? I don't know. I mean, we're staying at a 
a smaller lodge and I think there's only like a couple rooms. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, they're pretty small and intimate. Excited. That'll be great. That'll be great. Now you got to pick out all your outfits, <laughs> your safari outfits. I'm going to spray them with like the <laughs> mosquito repellent stuff that you can wash your yeah. clothes up to six times. Because I, they should make mosquito nets that come like a big, contra- like an umbrella hat. Oh, like a beekeeper, like a beekeeper suit. Yes. Yes. But like it, it, is further away from your body so that nothing can get you. This is – I feel like this is going to be – No, like, giant little – It's like a fashion statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I mean, you could just fashion one yourself by carrying an umbrella with a net around it, I'm sure. I'm imagining, like, a jumpsuit. Like, it's, like, a cute – outfit oh, jumpsuit wow. that has like gloves and they're the netting see that's the difference between you and i you have a sense of fashion and i do not I so i don't know that that's fashion but catch me on <laughs> new york fashion week runway next year <laughs> <laughs> i think it would work out i think you could oh gosh all right where are you taking us this week corinne this is a good one this this is a good one, and I know it's a good one because I kept adding more and more details up until the point that we are recording now. Oh. Like I, I had to stop. Wow, right? Oh my gosh, I, I could keep going, but alas, we do have to record. So <laughs> here we are. Here we are. All right. So I was thinking about just like abandoned buildings and how eerie they are, yeah. and how many of them are just like desolate and left to decay and. So many times there are artifacts within those buildings where you're like, who who left in such haste? Why? Yeah. Why did no one repurpose this building? Why is it like this? And then I found a place. Well, I didn't find a place. Venus, our Patreon donor, found oh. this place that it fits all those those boxes, checks all those all those boxes, but has been given another life. <gasps> So has been somewhat repurposed. Oh, okay. So very good news for all of us phantoms and paranormal enthusiasts out there. So we can visit it. Oh, we can visit it. Okay. And we should. I'm down. Okay. This is a place that I'm, not scary. I'm signing us up for. Oh, it's scary. But for some reason, I'm okay with it. Interesting. Okay. I'm curious to know why. Because, because they have a di- they have like a distillery and a restaurant <laughs> on the site. So <laughs> I'm like, I'll like food and drink. I'm there. If I get too scared, I'll just go to the bar. <laughs> Okay, this is Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, also known as Brushy. So I'm going to keep calling it Brushy throughout this just so that I'm not exhausted. It kind of feels like a nickname for for like Bigfoot or or a cryptid. Brushy. Brushy. Yeah, it seems a little bit endearing, doesn't it? it? Brushy. Well, it's it's not (laughs) not a great place to be. But this place was created after the Coal Creek War. So we're going to learn a little bit about the Coal Creek War first so you can understand why this place became what it was. So after the Civil War, the coal business, it was booming, right? Everybody was down in the mines trying to make a little penny. But the conditions were awful for all of the coal miners and amazing for all of the coal mining companies to just get filthy rich and take advantage of all of the workers, right? Yeah. So it was a regular practice for these coal companies to provide housing for their employees because, you know, like it, it, most of these places are in the middle of, of nowhere. The towns are created for to bring the miners in to work in the mine. So there's not much around. So part of the regular practice was these coal mining companies, they would provide housing for their employees, but take a little bit off the top of, mm. of those wages as rent. Mm-hmm. But then also, because there was nothing else around, where would these people go to get food and clothes and other necessities to live, them and, and their families, potentially? Well, there's nothing around. So of course, the companies took advantage of that. 
and they constructed stores on site for workers to buy all these things. But of course, the products are sold at these astronomical inflated prices. Yeah. So you you need water. You need a f- fresh linens. Well, guess what? You're going to pay like four times the right. amount that you would if you'd gone into town. Right. But town is far away. And these are they're basically like, these are necessities and they know that they have to buy them. And so they're making it yep. difficult. Oh, that's so, it's annoying. I hate people. Yeah, it stinks. It stinks. And, you know, capitalism. We're still feeling it. <laughs> but so after the rent, after the food, after all of the necessities to live, these coal miners had almost no pay left at the mm-hmm. end of this. And it's an extremely dangerous job, too. Yeah. You're hoping that your situation, that you're going to strike gold, that your situation is going to change. But in the end, you're taken advantage of and risking your life every single day. So imagine the rage when these coal miners, they find out that the coal companies were beginning to use prisoners in the mines rather than pay miners in the mines. So the coal companies, they'd struck a deal with the state prison system, and they would lease out prisoners from the jails and put them to work in the mines. That makes me think of- It was a of, convict leasing system. That makes me think of, I even think it was the old Salem jail. Oh, maybe not that, but there, there was some prison we talked about a long time ago where they made the inmates build their prison. Did I cover this already? No, I couldn't have. That did happen here. Oh. I'm scared. No, now. I don't did think I, already cover I don't this? think you I, I think okay. this was a common practice and it, it yeah. was a normal, unfortunate yes. but normal thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So the the convict leasing system existed in a lot of the South. So many different states did this and many different businesses utilized this free labor essentially. Mm. But once it started creeping, so it, it had already existed for 40 some years, but once it started creeping into the coal mining business, this is when people got really, really pissed off, the coal miners specifically. Right, right. So the convict leasing system essentially made it okay for mining companies and other businesses to lease out labor from the prisons, which suppressed employee wages for non-convict workers across the state of Tennessee and all throughout the South if they could even get work at all. So it was free labor for the companies, a few Mm -hmm. more pennies in the pocket for the state, and the coal miners needed to do something, and they did. They demanded change. Change for them, who'd consistently put themselves in danger while working in the mines to earn a barely livable wage and were now being abandoned. And also inadvertently change for the prisoners who were thrown into some of the harshest and most dangerous conditions, now risking their lives for no pay. Yeah. And thus, in the early 1890s, laborers in the American South began an armed labor uprising. The heart of this revolt was in Anderson County, Tennessee. And I also want oh, to- Oh, like, it's like unionize, unionizing, but they took up arms. It became like a war. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these group of coal miners, they there were 2,000-some coal miners that were in this area at the time, and they were all coming together and, like, literally had their rifles, their p- pistols, militia. their shotguns. Wow. It, the, truly, because nothing else was working. Yeah. All of their – well, also, I, I had omitted this part of history, but I'll bring it up now. In the past, obviously, the coal mining conditions, even before the convict leasing system existed within that business, it was it was awful, right? Like they were barely getting paid. They were bar- yeah. barely getting by. And so what they would do was they would go on strike and basically unionize until their pay got increased. And so that was working for them mm-hmm. little by little. But then when the convict leasing system happened, nothing they couldn't worked. do that anymore. Yeah. Like it, it, who cares if you're on strike or not? Because the companies already had for this people work. that they could force to work there. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So now a very important note 
in this story or a very important part of the story is that with the Emancipation Proclamation at the end of the Civil War, slavery had been abolished legally on paper, which for many people didn't make any difference at all. And unfortunately, in the South, the convict leasing program had originally begun because the state couldn't afford to house or feed the number of inmates that it had, hence leasing the prisoners out to the coal companies who would put them up in housing. Mm -hmm. But these prisoners were mostly black people. The Southern states and the people who were in power were still incredibly racist. It didn't matter that slavery had, uh, quote unquote, like officially ended. So they would send black people to jail for little petty crimes. Probably many, many people were in there for doing absolutely nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And they would give them these ridiculously long sentences, sometimes life sentences to be in prison. Mm -hmm. So slavery was no longer legal, but you could still send a black person to jail and then take advantage of the legal use of involuntary servitude when like serving out criminal punishment. So it's basically the same thing. They just found a loophole to continue slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they they legalized slavery. They just reformatted it basically. Yeah. Exactly. So the majority of the people that were part of this leasing program and put into these horrible conditions were black people in the South who'd done nothing. Yeah. So it was just horrible for everybody involved. So change was needed, but change didn't come so easily. So many of the things that people were fighting for, they had to, they were basically consistently ignored by the governor and and by the state of Tennessee. So they felt like they had no other choice than to arm themselves and come together as this militia. And so they headed to Bryceville, a mining town with a large number of convicts working in the mines. This group of 2,000-some miners, they surround the mine stockade, so like the barrier that was around the mine. The guards surrender, and this group gathers all of the convicts and marches them to the neighboring town of Coal Creek and puts them on a train (laughs) back to Knoxville because they had been employed by the Knoxville Iron Company. So basically they are finding all of these prisoners and like freeing them. Wow. <laughs> They're like, no, get out of our mind. This is our job. We're going to put you on a train and and send you away. Wait. And so I don't know what happened to those convicts. I don't know if they were if they were met anywhere on the train, if they got to escape. Yeah. Wow. I do not know. Okay. But this worked for them and they, the coal miners did this twice. So twice they went and they freed all the convicts Good. from the mine. Oh, man. Accomplishing two So two separate two times. Things. Exactly. So they do this two separate times. They're showing their force. They're attacking and burning privately owned mines and mines that were utilizing the state prisoners in the convict placing system. Mm. It was a very daring act of defiance, but it was necessary for the movement in labor rights history. And many of the coal miners were severely wounded and lost their lives in this protest. So it wasn't as easy as just That's marching with guns worried and saying, about. give us our mind back. That's what I was, my first concern when you were saying that they were burning active mines. Like, what if, I hope people weren't in there when that happened. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know, but the, it's also, so like, I told you about the two times that there's a group of 2,000 some people going and marching up to the mines, but there were also many smaller groups, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a subsection of five people that are are trying to protest and yeah. the amount of like death and injury and attacks that just didn't end in surrender yeah. by the guards yeah. or the state were high. So a lot of people, a lot of coal miners did lose their lives fighting for the right to be paid for their work. Right. Right. Jeez. This is such a fascinating so movement, part of history that I know I, I have never heard. Because you learn about like 
the gold rush and all these different things. But I feel like in school, we don't, we didn't really, I don't know. You just like don't hear as much about like labor reform. Yeah. Right. No. And what it actually means, like what people had to do and and what they had to risk to get there. There's also so many subsets of just history. It's, it's how many years and how many people who have ever existed. Infinity. It's just impossible to ever cover that amount of history. No, Leia. She's trying to knock what over my doing? bottled ghost. No, Leia. That is rude. How rude. The- An anti-ghost <laughs> of you. <laughs> Don't be anti-ghost. She's like, I'm sick of this podcast. <laughs> She's like, it's the it's the Leia show now. But uh, anyway, I'll just say that we just there's just not enough time in life to cover all of that. And I remember in school, like you would learn yeah. like a sentence that I, you would he- read one sentence that summarized like 50 years of history, and it's just like right, it's all diluted yeah. down into this one sentence in our textbooks, which there's so much that goes into it that will oftentimes is buried and never goes uncovered or or learned by most people. So I guess that's the fun of exploring so many haunted places. A lot of them are old and we learned a lot of history. It's basically a history podcast with a, a dash of ghosts. So basically, yeah, a lot of people lost their lives uh, in these protests and a lot of hundreds of protesters were arrested. But their movement had not gone unnoticed. Tennessee's convict leasing system was in the national spotlight now. So all of America was was looking at this system. Oh, my gosh. Leia is attacking Sabrina. Holy crud. (laughs) Come here. She is mad at you. She is. It's because I left for the weekend. She's like biting you, knocking your stuff. My lighting is weird. I'm just going to hold her like a baby. Yeah. Hold her. Swaddle her. Okay, so now it's in the national spotlight, but not in a good way, right? Everybody's looking at it and being like, what the hell is this? This seems awful. And clearly people are losing their lives over revolting against this practice. So many political campaigns later, Tennessee state government does not renew its convict labor lease contracts. So once the expiry dates come, they let it go. And then they pass a bill to abolish convict leasing for good. Oh. And this made Tennessee one of the first southern U.S. states to end convict leasing. Okay, that's great. But – Yeah, but they found a way oh. <laughs> around it, <laughs> which was by having prisoners build a prison deep in the remote Tennessee woods surrounded by rugged terrain situated next to a quarry. The prison opened, and some of the first prisoners who were transferred here were the same prisoners who'd been taken advantage of in the convict leasing system – mind debacle. And now they were here in this remote prison run by the state where prisoners were put to work again. They were instructed to build railroad lines, once again worked in the coal mine that was on the property, and various other jobs. So basically, instead of the state leasing out workers to work in coal mines, they were just were like, well, let's just build a prison where, where they are coal mine workers now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Shady business. Finding those loopholes, loopholes unfortunately. Just, yeah. If the workers underproduced in the mine, they would be beaten. So they were once again essentially enslaved, working in dangerous conditions in this prison in the middle of nowhere, beaten regularly, given almost no medical care, which resulted in disease running through the prison like wildfire. So sad. So in, I mean, uh, imagine working in the coal mine. And also these people had no training. Like they they didn't know what they were doing. So there were quite a few deaths with, you know, things collapsing or lack of oxygen and whatnot within the coal mines. But also they were just inhaling soot. Yeah, it's so bad for your lungs. So bad. They never see the light of day. Sorry, I just thought of... um, What's the Zoolander when, <laughs> when he tries? Yo, man, that's not the right 
picture of what coal mining is, but of course that comes into my mind. Okay, so they never see the light of day. They're in these horrible conditions, breathing in all this crap. Then at night, they're crammed into the prison, which to no surprise to us here, if you've listened to any episode in the past or know anything about previous medical facilities or prisons, they are overcrowded. Almost none of them kept the capacity as capacity. They crammed people in. And so, of course, people were getting sick. There was tuberculosis, pneumonia, typhoid fever, syphilis. Almost the entire prison population was sick. And disproportionately, the black prisoners were sick. So oh, interesting. 75% of the black prisoners had some some sort of horrible illness. And there was no real medical treatment. People were just mostly neglected and people were dying. I feel like also hygiene so was this, never taken care of. Like bathroom access is not easy or, or well taken care of. Just living conditions no. are, were probably just horrid. Yeah. They were. They were for a very long time, pretty much the entirety of the prison's life. So despite the high security and the remote location, gossip still went around town, and the nation was hearing about brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, and it wasn't good. It was not Not a good good reputation. No. People began to whisper about the conditions, what the men were forced to do, the diseases that pumped through everybody's veins, and it reminded people of the Siberian prisoners that they'd heard about. So people are now thinking, Brushy's hell on earth. It is basically living in the Soviet Union. And so this is all of these terms that were very fear-mongering and made everybody really nervous and and led to more gossip about the place, which was never good. It's interesting because I'm at least glad that the conditions and the truth of what was happening there spread and that people were learning about it rather Mm -hmm. than I feel like a lot of these places would cover it up and on the front, you know, look like this wonderful, great place. And then actually, if you pull the curtain back, it's just horrendous. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, too, that, of course, it takes everybody gossiping about it for any change to To actually happen, happen. a sliver of change to happen. So the state, they're like – Shit. We don't want to be compared to the Soviet Union. No. (laughs) I guess we have to do something now. So they did what they could do to remedy this and improve conditions. Well, their version of it, which was to build a new prison on site that could hold more people. And who built this? Of course, the prisoners did, right? They built their own prison again. It's like, have they not learned anything? Take two. Yeah. This is just so Mm – it just feels so cyclical and they just – keep doing exactly what they're saying they're not going to do. Yep, yep. They just try to sprinkle something a little extra like pizzazz or new wording on it, but they just keep repeating history here. So these workers, well, the prisoners, workers, are sent down to the quarry and the prisoners gather material for this giant stone structure that's shaped like a cross and is four stories high. And so there's some rumors about why it was shaped like a cross, Some people said because at the time, you know, Christianity in the South was predominantly the religion, probably still is. But essentially it was like the thought was that only God could could save these souls of the people who were in life – serving out life sentences like horrible criminals. Mm -hmm. So – made it across. The new building did provide some more space and it was cleaner. Okay. So in terms of illnesses and diseases, things were definitely getting better. And the cells were eight by 10 feet with a metal bunk bed, a toilet, and a sink. And usually there were two men put in each cell, but sometimes with overcrowding, there were four men assigned to each cell and then they would be assigned shifts. So essentially if you were 
four people in a two-bed cell, you and another person would be assigned one shift where you could sleep on the beds, and then the other shift you'd be sent down to the mine to work. And then uh, you swap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Except for on Sundays, on Sundays, I don't think anybody worked in the mine. They basically closed everything down. And so people were just bunked together into. Yep. Yeah. So the extra space, it did make life at Brushy slightly more tolerable, but it was was not good. Yeah. No. Hell on earth. They're still doing everything that they were doing. I feel like nothing mm-hmm. nothing changed at all. No. It's like the, it's like the picture out. spot the difference, but there's nothing different. And there's nothing different. Yeah. It'll just keep looking forever. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. Did they make this gray a slightly lighter color of gray? It's like, yeah. It's still the same thing. Yeah. It's still the same yeah. thing. If a prisoner at Brushy acted out, they were sent to the hole. The hole was an extremely small space, half the size of a college dorm room. Unagreeable I like that that's your, would be that's your measurement. Yes, because I was looking up the size of it and then I was like, wait, this feels to me kind of big. Oh. So then so then I looked up like measurements of what a college dorm room is, because we always think of those as small, yeah. right? And so it was half the size. And they would put people down here it was like mostly solitary confinement though i think sometimes multiple people would be crammed and piled into the space Mm. together there were no windows no lights it was it was complete darkness pitch black the whole they would sit here in the complete darkness for up to 30 days (gasps) they'd be given very little food like basically they'd get one full meal every three days and then like a glass of milk and a stale muffin or something that's torture for the other days just torture it it is it is they would give them one bowl of water and then another bowl next to that water, which could be used as a toilet. So a bowl, two bowls, one for defecating in and urinating in, Ugh. and the other was supposed to keep you alive by drinking it. The hole existed until 1957. So it kept being used for a very long time. Jeez. Some of the inmates were extremely dangerous as well uh, because so Brushy turned out to be a prison where only people serving life sentences went. It was the end of the line. Mm. That was sort of like what it was what it was nicknamed, okay. what it was known as. So these end of the line prisoners who had nowhere else to go and had committed these atrocious crimes or had been sentenced like they had, they would be sent here. And so it was just it was getting dangerous because there were prisoners who actually had committed these atrocious crimes and were living out the rest of their lives here. So sometimes people did need to be isolated from everybody else. And sometimes people needed to be permanently isolated from everybody else. So the prison built a D block on top of the old death house where they had previously kept bodies of deceased inmates. So basically if an inmate had passed away, they'd be kept in the death house until they were either buried on site or or i guess family is coming and picking them up and transporting them okay so it's like the a morgue but it wasn't actually equipped it's a, it's like a, morgue, a morgue yeah but probably a very gross one yeah. so yes so they start new construction deep within the walls of brushy and they create this deep block in the 1960s the state decided to turn brushy into a maximum security prison so i guess i got a little bit ahead of myself previously this is it happened in the 1960s when all of these criminals kind of like influxed into mm-hmm. this prison and the prison was now known as the end of the line prison the final prison that people would be sent to to make room for the more dangerous criminals the inmates who had lesser offenses were given jobs outside of the prison like volunteering for the fire department so while some inmates were finally experiencing a bit more freedom 
100 beds were added inside a brushy to welcome some of the real-life monsters mm. in. Okay. Some notable prisoners were, were sent to brushy, the most famous being James Earl Ray, who assassinated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. James Earl Ray had attempted to escape the prison many times. First, he tried escaping by removing a cinder block from his cell and squeezing his body through it. But the path led him to the steam plant that was on site. So basically, if he'd gone any further, the steam would incinerate him or like mm. burn him to death. So he didn't make it out that time. Then he tried sneaking past a guard with a makeshift saw that he'd planned to use to cut through the air vent and then crawl through. There was another attempt in there somewhere as well. But the fourth time he tried to attempt, he actually made it out. He and six other inmates constructed a ladder and climbed over the wall together. Three days after his escape – well, actually, let me back up. I believe in doing my research, I believe the answer is actually he and four other inmates made the ladder together and escaped. But what happened was two other inmates had witnessed mm. them climbing over the fence and just decided in the last minute to hop to join on in. and go over the fence. Yes. And and one of those inmates was a black man who, once he was recaptured, he didn't know that Ray had been, like, the ringleader of this escape. And he was like, oh, if I knew that he was involved in this, I would have never yeah. – I would have waited and tried to escape another day. Aww. So in terms of Ray's – how he fit in in this prison, remember, like, he assassinated or was tried as being someone who assassinated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So there were some people who obviously hated his guts. And then there were some people – who didn't believe that he actually did it mm. and act, were aiding him and, like, trying to get him to escape and try to, like, help him out. So it's interesting. Different politics, yeah. right? Yeah. For every group within this prison. So he finally gets out with all these other inmates. And they're all in the woods. He specifically is in the woods for three days. He made it about, like, eight and a half miles away, but police dogs found him hiding under a pile of leaves. So he was trying to like, get cover his, his scent, scent away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then four years after his escape, he was stabbed 22 times by other prisoners but lived. And apparently Whoa. the stabs weren't that bad. So that's kind of like where some of the rumors went where people were like, oh, well, he was just stabbed a bunch so that – but but almost superficially so that he, he would be get transported out. to a medical mm. facility and try to escape. Yes. So he survived the stabbing and then he did die in a prison in the future, but – at a different prison after being transferred. Gotcha. Okay. This is my favorite escape attempt. Oh. This is incredible. Okay. There needs to be a movie about this one. I'm sure okay. there probably is. There's so attempt. many escape There's gotta be. movies. Yeah. The prisoner, James Slaggle, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of his last name. So I'm just going to call him James okay. <laughs> moving forward. James was serving 318 years in prison for kidnapping and murdering a man who had stopped to try to help him fix his car. So an atrocious yeah. crime. Jeez. In Brushy, James is here. He's serving his time. He's looking around and he's realizing that none of the boxes that leave Brushy are big enough for a human to fit into it. So he's he's trying to think of his escaping, mm -hmm. right? Like it's always probably on a lot of people's minds there, especially given some of the successful attempts yeah. in the past. So you're semi-successful. So he's thinking about it. He's watching all these boxes come and go and he gets an idea. He's like, okay, none of the boxes will fit a human, but just a regular human. What if I can contort my body, essentially cut myself in half what? and squeeze into a tiny box? This is like some Houdini takes, stuff. Yeah. He teaches himself yoga. He studies yoga for a whole year. 
challenging himself, contorting, making sure he stays really thin. Like he is executing on his plan. So he folds himself into all these odd shapes, gets extremely flexible. And then he also stress trains his shoulders by smashing his shoulders into the concrete, basically trying to like beef them up and make them, I guess, in, I don't know exactly what, but basically he was like, once I'm in the box, I need a way to get out of the box and I need my shoulders to like be able to crush the box open. So he's bulking down everywhere else and becoming super nimble. And then his shoulders are bulking up and it didn't oh raise gosh. any alarm to any of the prison guards because they're just watching him walk around and smash himself into the concrete. So they at the time are thinking, you know, like he's just – Is he not something like mentally his going shoulders on. and then like, oh, ah, that just seems so painful. Yes, right? Very, very painful. But yeah, this is what he does. And then finally, after a year or so of this training, he was able to contort his way into a pair of boxes – So if two boxes were next to each other, each box was 18 inches high and 14 inches wide and long. So incredibly small. Yeah, that's tiny. That is a very small box. so small. So two of them together, he could fit himself into these little boxes that would be shipped out of brushy. But how – are they two separate boxes? How did he – They are. Okay, this is how. So he observes – James observes the guards. And he was working in the dining hall, the dining Mm -hmm. room at the time – And so sometimes they would send extra food and extra supplies to a nearby facility and the prisoners would basically like stack all of the boxes of excess food onto a freight and that would basically be like lifted up, put onto a car and this truck would transport it out. Okay. So he's observing the guards because he's thinking, okay, if I can find a way to basically like put two of these boxes together, put myself in it and hide amongst these boxes that are being shipped out, I can get out. So he's watching the guards, and the guards going around before they transport all these extra supplies, they don't really touch anything. Like, it's kind of like a preliminary, like, a a quick gaze, like, all right, good to go. You know, they're tiny boxes. Why would they ever think someone's in one of them? Okay. So with this knowledge, James and a few other inmates who are on his side, I love that all the inmates are helping each other escape. Like, they know that they might not get out, but they're still going to help their friend get out. So James and a few other inmates, they stack these two small boxes, incredibly small boxes, together, one on top of the other, and they cut a hole in the middle. Mm. And James squeezes in, and then they push one of the boxes, like the top box, askew. So it kind of looks – so he must be in there kind of like in the weird angle, twisted, so that it didn't look like a perfectly stacked box like someone was in there. Like it looked almost impossible. Like someone kind of just tossed it on top kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. What? Totally. I'm trying to like I, – I feel like I need a visual for this because I'm trying to picture what this man I wish looks there were. like. He lived in that prison for a very, very long time after that. Okay. But basically – so uh, here's your spoiler alert that he didn't <laughs> fully get out. Yeah. He didn't fully escape. My favorite part is, so after they have the boxes that are askew, they put other boxes around, other extra supplies, potato sacks, cartons of fruit, if they have fruit in prison, I don't know, mm-hmm. just random shit around it so that it doesn't look suspicious. <laughs> but <then laughs> they label his box 153 pounds of roast beef. <laughs> That's what they wrote on it. So he must have weighed 153 pounds. But like, mm. oh my god, how random! And also, funny, if, the, though, if the boxes are so small, like maybe I don't know, label it something else. 
right? <laughs> and also, like, was that normal? Did they normally grab Sharpies and, and write, write on the box how many pounds of whatever it was? Yeah. It's very silly, but it worked. The truck yeah. left the facility with James on it. Wow. He uses his shoulders to bust open the box after they're they're out for a while. So now he knows he's, like, in the woods on these remote roads where no one else is. He jumps off the back of the truck, so directly behind it, not to the side, so that the truck driver wouldn't catch a glimpse of him in the rearview mirror, and he kind of, like, scurries into the woods. All that work, all that training, he finally breaks out, but how cruel of the world to do this to James. He gets into the woods. Guess who's in the woods? There's an off-duty prison guard who's just out there rabbit hunting. Oh, <laughs> What a horrible luck. This is like 200 acres of woods and he gets off in the one spot that there's some guy rabbit hunting. I mean, to be honest, considering the fact that this man murdered someone, I am glad he was caught. Right. But it's good of the universe for everyone yeah. else. But it's for him karma. personally, he probably I mean, felt quite spited. It's karma. He wasn't True. a good person and no. maybe he had a clever escape plan, but... He still did bad things, and so he ended up where he needed to be. Well, I hope he continued with the yoga, and then maybe it, <laughs> it helped with some soul-searching and some some spiritual cleansing mm. there. Anywho, this off-duty prison guard calls the prison and is like, hey, is James supposed to just be walking around? And they're like, no. <laughs> so they send people out, a group of them and dogs, to go find him. But it's actually hard to find James because his trickery – and his escape plan doesn't end at just getting off of, of this truck. I imagine him he like runs climbing up a tree. Yes. Well, but there's dogs, right? So he's thinking about the scent right. and what's going to happen when the dogs find him. Right. So he cl- he runs to the stream so that the water kind of like – Washes away. M- m- e- yeah. It, it muddies the scent yep. and, you know, the wind takes it a little bit more. And then he does something interesting. He crosses the stream at multiple points multiple to times. confuse them. And he keeps doubling back – on his own trail. So the dogs are all over the place. They have no idea where the hell James yeah. is. Anywho, he does eventually get caught. Yeah. And he's put into the hole. He's there for the 30 days, the whole month. And he is fed the green monster, quote, green monster, what? which was the meal that they were fed when they were down there, when they got food every three days. And it was steamed okra, okra. okra. And turnip greens that would be cooked until they became slime-like and fed to the prisoners. It's just like you're we're taking not allowed to put an any ex- seasoning on it's it. It's just like they're taking an extra step to be evil. They were. They absolutely were. Let's not forget a lot of the prison guards were beating the yeah, prisoners as well. A lot of violence. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So clearly there is a variety of prisoners here at Brushy. Many of them incredibly dangerous, some of them unfairly there. Yeah. In fact, all of the prisoners who were there were serving life sentences until the mid-1980s when they did turn Brushy into a prison that would accept a general population inmates. So there were a, a mix towards the end okay. in the 1980s. But the condition of the prison was no longer the biggest threat to the inmates. It was the other inmates because there were still some horrible, horrible people here. And a lot of people were sent here. It was also one of the first, I think it was the first penitentiary, actually, maybe, opened at the time like this. And it was the longest running in Tennessee. So a lot of people were transferred into this prison Mm. at various times. So still had really hard criminals despite the general population coming in as well. Right. There was also a long rivalry between black prisoners and white prisoners, which led to many fights and many deaths. 
racial segregation within the prison very much existed. Mm. And in 1982, seven white inmates held guards hostage with knives. They took the guards' guns and they shot two black inmates in a cell. There were two other black inmates in that same cell and they survived by hiding in the corner of their cell behind their mattresses to hopefully go undetected oh my gosh. by the killers. Oh my gosh. And this this obviously made the news, but there were other things like this that yeah, happened all the time. Sure. People were hanged, they were stabbed, they were shot, they were beaten. In one instance, supposedly someone was chopped up and flushed down the toilet. So nobody was safe here. What? Disgusting. Yes. Yep. Jeez. Ugh. Nobody was safe here. Except for maybe Geronimo. Geronimo was not a prisoner. Geronimo just happened to live in the area and became well-liked by the prisoners of Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, spending most of the time hanging in the yard with the inmates. Who is this man? How did this happen? Um, Well, it's actually not a man. Geronimo is a deer. A pet deer. (laughs) Stop. No, it's so good. Okay, so in the 70s, a young deer fell from a nearby cliff and the guard found the deer and brought the deer into the prison yard and the prisoners decided to keep it and named the deer Geronimo because it fell from the cliff. You know, like, Geronimo! Oh my gosh. So Geronimo spent his days grazing on grass, chewing on cigarette butts of the inmates, and they would all giggle and laugh as Geronimo would steal their food from the commissary. He would... They would sneak him medicine if they ever thought he was depressed or sick. Oh. And they would joke that he was a snitch because every time they'd be huddled around like playing cards or something, Geronimo would constantly be – he'd be in the huddle, but then he'd like continue to look over his shoulder, which would clue the guards often to like come over and see what people were doing. So they would call him the little snitch. (laughs) Geronimo. Oh, my gosh. How how long did Geronimo Geronimo live here? Sleepy? I think quite a few years. Quite a few years. I don't know the exact – the exact number. It's like animal therapy. It totally is. Yeah. And when Geronimo would get sleepy and not want to be bothered, he would wander over to one of the guards and just kind of like lay down and try to sleep at the guard's feet, knowing that no one else would come over because people weren't, you know, trying to interact with the guards. Is there Are there so, photos of Geronimo? Oh, I, I read so many freaking articles for all of this research and I never saw a photo of Geronimo. Okay. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. This, it just, I didn't find this it. This looks like, I don't know if it is. Oh, I mean, that very well could be, right? Yeah. Probably. Oh. So Geronimo, everybody's a fan of Geronimo. Yes. Inmates. I'm a fan become of very Geronimo. St- right? Yeah. What a fun pet. You know, like you're you're at this horrible prison for the rest of your life. And then the blessing of Geronimo falls yeah. from the sky and into your prison yard. How lovely. It brings some solace and peace and love. Right. And I like that Geronimo just kind of immediately became tame, you know, like he, he wasn't panicked and trying to leave and run away into this the is his home. woods when he could. Yeah. This was his home. So there is a period of a few years where the prison did have to shut down because there were the, – the guards went on strike, mm. basically, because it was really unsafe for them to be working there, too. Just all around the prison was unsafe for everybody in it. Yeah. Uh, So they had gone on strike, and this really stressed out a lot of the prisoners who were transferred to another prison in Nashville because Geronimo had been left behind. And so they're all getting really stressed out about Geronimo's fate, and so they petitioned to have Geronimo moved, too, to the Nashville prison so that they could be reunited with their (laughs) pet deer. And because Geronimo was tame, the state, for some reason, decided to say yes, and they funded the move of Geronimo the deer from Brushy to Nashville. Whoa. But poor Geronimo, he was really struggling to adjust to the Nashville jail, 
and he was throwing, quote, temper tantrums, according to the warden, and he was kicking people's faces, and he was trying to escape the prison. He did get captured after escaping, brought back to prison. So similar to all the other prisoners that keep escaping, apparently Geronimo's now a prisoner as well. Sad. But um, they basically, we don't know the fate of Geronimo and what happened to him. It just kind of ends there. No. Where we don't know exactly what happened to him. But he did he did get transferred. He did stay with his his friends for what we know of to be the rest of his life. He also became a three-legged deer because he did break his leg one day, I think probably during an escape attempt, and it had to be amputated. So he was a three-legged deer. I really hope Geronimo died a happy deer. I there's uh, I hope so too. I don't want to think the bad things. But I'm no but I can am just say, you know, he was a deer. And he lived a happy life. And then when everybody else went back to Brushy, perhaps he did too. And he lived the rest of his life in the home where he was born in these beautiful Tennessee mountains with all of his prisoner best friends. I hope so. Yes. All right. So I was – I did some extra research because I was like, why the hell would the state ever fund this? Like why (laughs) – out of all the things that need to happen and all the improvements that they could do, they spend money on transporting a a deer, a a wild tamed deer – to Nashville, which isn't very close by. I mean, right. it's a few hours. So it's not like they were just going one town over. And I found our, our guy, James, who escaped in the box. He actually did an interview where he talked about the deer, <laughs> where he talked about Geronimo. And he said, quote, we loved him. We would have rioted if they took him away. And they knew that. Oh. So basically it was like they were trying to keep the peace and didn't want a right. bunch of riots in the prison breaking out. And in order to do that, the price was bring them bring their pet them. deer. Geronimo. Mm-hmm. It just said because Geronimo clearly didn't like the move. It was too much for him to handle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Poor guy. What an interesting life at Deer Lake. Yeah. That's a story. So despite some cool and some odd and some horrifying stories from this prison, it just in general was a very terrible and dreadful place. Yep. Eventually, it closed in 2009. It apparently closed because it was just too expensive for the state to keep up and maintain, mm. so an article said. Uh, but nine years later, the Brushy Mountain Group took over this abandoned building and opened it to the public once more, saving the building from abandonment and bringing business and jobs to the area once again. So Brushy is now a stop on the Barkley Marathon. So if you run that marathon, you can run right on through it. Okay. It is also a venue for private events. You could have your retirement party there. You could have Weddings? your uh, – you, there's a wedding venue. Oh. Yes. I believe the deposit for a specific venue site is $3,000. And they have set up for microphone. They have food, catering, all that stuff. So actually probably a decent option. Okay. I'm looking at the pictures They have car now. shows. Yeah, it's a really cool place. This is why I'm like, I want to go because it kind of feels like Disney World, but for paranormal lovers. They have car shows there. They hold concerts. There's a distillery where you can sip on a variety of liquors like the end of the line moonshine and various vodkas and whiskeys. There's a restaurant with mouthwatering barbecue. I was looking at their their offerings, their menu online. It looks freaking good. Wow. And of course, you can go on a ghost tour. Of course. So there are a a variety of tour options. There are some self-guided daytime tours, self-guided tours at night, and of course, some overnight paranormal tours. Would you do that? I think so. I actually do. I think I might. Corinne, what has gotten into you? Beca- and I don't know. The food does look I don't good. know. But here's why. So they have the guided tours, uh-huh. but they also have – so the guided tours are are often done by 
ex-prisoners and ex-guards who still live in the area. So it's really awesome because you get all of the information. You can kind of like pick their brain and get all the information about what life was like there. Yes, totally. And from what I was reading, I think when you do the overnight, I think there are still some people that work there on site, like different ex-guards and ex-prisoners who are around. So I think, you know, if I were really scared, I couldn't like run over to one of them and be like, tell me about Geronimo Mm -hmm. the Jeer. (laughs) Yes, that would be the best question. Yeah. Well, we'll have to go and find out. Okay. Okay. So obviously this place is ripe for paranormal activity. There are many deaths, horrifying crimes, and also the massive property was built on limestone and water and other various rocks and elements that oftentimes find their way into our research which basically just like energizes the spirit world and, and makes it a little more likely that paranormal activity will remain here. And so that's why going on a paranormal tour is a good option. So guided tours are led by former guards and inmates. Uh, when you go on a guided tour, or actually if you go on a self-guided tour as well, you can go into the movie theater room and every 30 minutes they play an 18-minute documentary about the horrors of brushing, like some of the gruesome oh. details of the crimes Jeez. and people here So that's available for you. And then you can venture around the property into the abandoned prison rooms, like the laundry room, the gym, the exercise yard, the hole. You can climb down into the hole, turn off all the lights, and imagine what it would be like for those prisoners crammed against the walls and each other in total darkness for a month. No, that's – it's also sad. Uh, I just imagine, like, that room has so Mm -hmm. much horrible, sad energy. I know. Totally. Oh, I'm – it's – there's – I feel like every old, what was once an abandoned jail or once an abandoned hospital has something like this. Like there's some hole or death chute or something that's just like absolutely atrocious and probably has the most amount of horrible feelings and EVP is coming from it. Yeah. Just like residual energy on top of other spirits. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. The chow hall, which on the property, the restaurant is called the chow hall, but the chow hall was the cafeteria basically for the prison and it's a separate place than the restaurant Mm -hmm. this was a very violent place to be as a prisoner so you would obviously go to the cafeteria because you needed to eat yeah but in the cafeteria there were regular stabbings there was even one murder involving a meat cleaver and this person's spirit identified themselves one time and called themselves waterhead a lot of paranormal activity is captured on the property here in this cafeteria in the chow hall which makes sense because this is where everybody gathered yeah. together. There was more opportunity for for aggression and yes. dangerous stuff. Yep. Also, one of the rooms in the property has been transformed into a museum, which displays artifacts from the prison and from the prisoners. So when you go in here, there's a bunch of like glass boxes on display. And inside of these glass boxes, there are confiscated knives and shanks that were made out of like toothbrushes and bedposts. There's artwork from prisoners. There's a variety of uh, items that were used to smuggle drugs. Like I read that there was a Bible that was carved out. There were flip-flops that were the bottom of it was also carved out, you know, to smuggle some things things, Yeah. Yep. And then of course on this tour, you walk by the jail cells, right? That's probably what everybody thinks is one of the spookier places. As people venture around Brushy, they feel heaviness, evil lurking around the corners, headaches overcome investigators, nausea sets in, chests tighten near the hole, temperatures in the room swing back and forth from hot to cold, 
Disembodied footsteps are heard throughout the halls. Growls echo from the dark corners. And orbs dart in varying mm-hmm. colors throughout the building. The colors of orbs is always so fascinating to me. Like, why, why are mm. orbs different colors? And I don't know that we have an answer to it, but I'm, I'm curious. I do not know. Mm. Yeah, I think there was – well, I'm just going to be pulling pulling things out of my brain that might not be correct. But I think I had heard that it was like a blue and a red – Orb. I don't know if that means anything to anybody. I wonder if it has to do yeah, with auras. varying colors, not just the white. Hmm. I'm curious. That is interesting. Or like how someone died or how they lived their life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Scratches also appear on visitors' skin. So if you go in there, you might find yourself coming out with marks. And people think that there is something very dark and demonic because oftentimes these scratches are in threes, right? Like the three claw marks down someone's back. One woman was reciting the Lord's Prayer and her back began to burn. And then the three claw marks appeared across her skin. No. Why? No. Demons. Demons. We don't know why. I also wonder if there's spirits who just do this to pretend to be demons. Oh. Why? It's something you would do? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's a third floor auditorium because remember this this whole structure is four yeah, four stories massive. high. The third floor auditorium has something in it. People think that there's something really dark because people get attacked. This is where a lot of people are scratched. A lot mm. of people are their wrists are grabbed, their shoulders are pushed. You know, there's something dark yeah. in here. On a lighter note, there is a woman named Bonnie who's occasionally seen in the courtyard. No one what knows what is Bonnie doing there. Who Bonnie is, why she's huh. there. No one knows. Because there were no there were no female prisoners what about guards kept here. Not not really. I mean, in recent past, but it's not like in the 1800s there were any female guards there. Yeah. No, so I think everybody's accounted for hmm. who were guards. And also, the land before was used by Native Americans in that area, and she doesn't fit any of the descriptions for anybody that should have been or is known to have ever been on this property. I wonder. So If Bonnie is the spirit of like a victim of one of the men who were in the prison. Oh, 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 that's sad. But if she chose to I was thinking more of like I don't know. Or what if what if it's someone's a prisoner who was sentenced to life and it's it's his like wife or something, you know, like she longed for her loved one for her her whole life. More positive. And so part of her soul is still there. I don't want it to be a victim. I know. It's sad. I know. But it's a prison. We're yeah. talking about people who I know. committed. I mean, to right. some extent. Some of them committed heinous crimes. Yeah. Cell number 28 is where James Earl Ray was held. And investigators have played MLK's I Have a Dream speech in front of the cell and have captured some EVPs. Uh, one of the EVPs was of a spirit that was shushing them for playing the tape. Mm. I'm not sure if it was that tape specifically or just shushing them in general because they're playing audio. Yeah. And probably just being like, be quiet. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> there have been many EVPs collected over the years from people who investigate overnight. Mm. So maybe a reason for us to go. Wow. And many of these EVPs are presumably the prisoners themselves calling out, sometimes stating people's names, trapped and brushy for eternity. But there's also some other weird EVPs that have been captured here. So – Supposedly, someone captured an EVP of pigs oinking. What? Which gives me a kind of like deliverance vibes. I, I'm curious, is it truly pigs oinking or is it like a human making oinking noises? Because I feel like that that makes a big difference. Yeah. 
as to what it could be. Also, that just makes me think about, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not trying to guilt anyone who eats oh. meat. I'm not that type of person, like, eat whatever you want. But I have always wondered, there's a lot of animals who die for us humans, and I'm curious if their spirits ever haunt people. It'd be an interesting place, just this this site that had never, to anyone's knowledge, held pigs for just a, like a pig haunting to happen. Yeah, I guess it is kind of random. But but I don't know. Do the spirits or maybe come with the, the meat that is delivered? Ooh, that's horrible to think about. Just traveling with your chopped up body. No thanks. But I have another thought. What if what if our our dear friend the deer Geronimo lived another life before being in the prison yard and. Geronimo's best friend was a pig at a farm that was many, <laughs> many acres away. And so that pig never stopped looking for Geronimo. That's a bit Charlotte's Web. And that's what we're hearing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sweet little piggy. That's a children's book. Geronimo and the pigs. <laughs> Geronimo and the pigs. The Tennessee Wraith Chasers ghost hunting team, they went to the property. I mean, so many ghost hunting groups have gone yeah, to this property. A great place But to when go. they went to the property, totally, they believe that they made contact with one of the prisoners, Jack Jett, with his spirit because of a few things. They got a bunch of evidence that suggested that he was present with them at that time. So one of the people on the team, their shirt was suddenly burned. Like there was like a little burn mark from a cigarette hmm. at the bottom of their shirt. And Jet was a big smoker, so this would make sense. And Jet was also a little person, and the location of the cigarette burn, and then later readings on their K2 meters that showed a figure of shorter stature, suggested that this could be Jet. Oh. And so they were like, hmm, I wonder if this could be the prisoner yeah. Jet. And then someone else in their group was down in solitary confinement and asked, is anybody here? And then an EVP captured, Jack, me. So they think that he was definitely present Whoa. amongst that group How communicative. That day. There's a lot of – I know, right? A lot of spiritual expression from Jet. Right. Yeah. Pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Jet has a ton of energy to be able to to do it all, to like appear on the meter, yeah. to throw, throw his voice, give a couple EVPs, and then to physically – create yeah. a cigarette burning mark into someone's shirt which the is fabric disintegrated which is so fascinating out of nothing. how does that happen like because it, it's not like there was a cigarette floating there and it happened like it's just right from a spiritual realm that yeah it's so fascinating well i don't know how it happens <laughs> but people were talking about how the temperature in rooms will swing really hot mm. and really cold very suddenly and i wonder if there's a version of that where spirits can control the concentration of it so instead of a whole room getting really hot what if they can just like make a tiny circle get really oh, really hot interesting. maybe that's how interesting i don't know hmm. all right and so remember how i was saying that there's a lot of evps people capture the evps all over the place yeah. here well arguably maybe not arguably apparently <laughs> everybody that uh have guards and prisoners alike have said that the most haunted place in all of this prison is the chapel that kind of makes sense and the most spiritual space are, right they totally are so when people have done investigating here, they've collected a numerous amount. Uh, AVPs are plenty. <laughs> Words spoken from the spiritual realm in this chapel include yelling, hell, oh, and get out, and beast. Oh. So it's clear that something dark still lingers at Brushy. Old guards and prisoners believe that there are two demons present in this prison. There's a crawling entity that has been captured, similar to the creeper at Waverly Hills Sanatorium. No. 
don't like that. So perhaps brushy, right? I know. But, well, so when people captured it on camera, I th- believe, you know what? What? It actually might have been on Kesha's special because <gasps> Kesha went there. Kesha, have us on your show. <laughs> Bill Phil, Sabrina's lifelong dream. Yeah. She's your biggest fan. Uh, I think it might have been then. If not, it was some other group. But basically, they captured this crawling creature going across the ground. And then it appeared to go like up the wall and up the ceiling. So horrifying. I told you about my friend who was working in like a shoe store in Vegas. And the they, they, there was like a very dark energy. But one day they came into the store and there was like kind of like a felt wall, like velvety wall. And they saw handprints going all the way up to the yes. ceiling of it. Yes. Didn't you say with little? Yeah. Little handprints? No. No, no. So creepy. So creepy. Man. And most people would probably think that felt stores are wholesome places. Well, it was a shoe store. Hang out with crafters. Oh, oh. The oh. wall was like velvet. <laughs> got yeah, it. Yeah. Got it. Still, you wouldn't expect it. At a shoe store. Yeah. Shoe store. All right. Well, to end our research today on Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, Perhaps Brushy has its own soul-eating entity lurking about, and you'll just have to go there to find out. It is open from April through November for, I believe, all of the things that the property has to offer, like the distillery and the restaurant Mm -hmm. and all of the different tours. But uh, if you're hoping to go there when it's closed from December through March, you're in luck because paranormal tours are available year-round. Okay, add it to our list. So we can go. We can go. I'm so shocked by you wanting to go, I guess, especially after calling an entity that's there similar to an entity which we are terrified of at Waverly Hills. Yes, and I think it's because when I picture myself there, it's not an accurate depiction of what it would actually be like. Mm. Because you cannot bring food or drinks or anything on the tours, but I'm picturing myself like a little Disney World situation where I have a snow cone in one hand and a hot dog in the other. And I'm walking through and I'm munching. I'm having a good time. I'm saying hello to all the people, getting all the good ghost stories from all the guards. And the spirits leave me alone. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So yes, you have an idealist, idealistic version of the experience in your mind. Okay. You I'll take outside, it. I'll take it, Corinne. Grasshoppers are buzzing. There's a concert going on. Someone else is getting married. Geronimo's mm. offspring is running through. To, oh, to, yes, there's a petting zoo where you can just put your – but but you're in the fence. All the animals are free. You're they in the fence us. and then you do the 25 cents. They pet us. And then you give them – they pet us. They pet us. We're the zoo. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it's that an interesting place, though. version of it if, if that means we can go. I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking okay. that that will happen. I will allow you to believe that version in order for us to go and experience not that version. Okay. I actually almost emailed them earlier because I was just so curious. But Wait, you should. What it could look like. Let's email them. They've got so much info online too. I know, but I'm curious. FAQs, all the tours, the variety of things. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Okay, I'm down. You got to take me up on the offer before. I I know. I'm like, do we go now? Do we pack up our things and meet there right now? (laughs) I know. Get on the road. Hit the road. I have a listener story that it's I'm excited. It, there's two stories, but one of them takes place at Eastern State Penitentiary. So 
That is why I chose oh. this one. It is from our listener, CL, and it's called A Few of My Encounters. So the first story is not about the penitentiary, but it's good. So I'm going to read it. Okay, great. Hi, I found your podcast while looking for spooky stories to listen to this October. And this was back in 2018. And I haven't been able to stop listening to it. It really makes study hall go faster. And I'm a senior in high school. Well, now he's graduated. Well, now CL has graduated high school. Congrats. Congrats. Anyway, I've been listening to your encounters episodes and thought I might as well share mine because me and people in my family have experienced a lot of things that is all just too strange to be a coincidence. I can't remember a strict timeline at the moment, but I guess I'll start by saying that my younger brother has been a sleepwalker slash sleep talker for several years. A couple years after we moved into the house we currently live in, he started screaming in his sleep and running out into the hallway. Oh, God. (laughs) Me and my mom and sometimes my stepdad, if he was still awake or woke up, would always catch my brother before he ran down the stairs or got too far, but it was really scary. A couple summers ago, he started talking about a man in my parents' room repeatedly, like almost every night for a while, and he would never remember it when he woke up. He was always saying it was in the exact same spot, and my mom would bring him over to that spot and show him that nothing was there, but he would insist someone is there. My stepdad asked my brother to describe him one night, and he said it was a man with a cane. This even Mm. freaked out my stepdad, who was a total skeptic when it comes to anything paranormal. We think the first owner of the house, an old man who possibly died there, is haunting it. Eventually, my mom decided to talk to the ghost, and everything stopped after that. Sometimes my little brother still yells in his sleep, but he doesn't usually run anymore, and it's pretty easy to calm him down now. Things were calm for a while, but for a while now, things have been happening in my room, and I think the ghost has moved on to me. Or maybe there's a second ghost, because the one time I definitely heard something, it sounded female. The scariest thing that has ever happened to me happened at Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I live relatively close to Philly and I love creepy places and museums and stuff like that. So my brother and his friend were like, oh, cool, old prison, let's go. So my dad took us in February of 2018. Everything was fine when we went in, even though we knew it was probably haunted. And we were walking around. Me and my dad were sorta listening to Steve Buscemi audio tour. And we got to the first cell block that was open. That's cool that Steve Buscemi did the audio tour for Eastern State Penitentiary. Cool. I was just going to say that. That's more reason just to go is to hear that. That's incredible. We got to the first cell block that was open. To the left of us, there were two open cells that you could go in and see how the prisoners lived. Obviously, we went into one and almost instantly, I felt a heavy pressure on my chest and felt so insanely dizzy and awful and felt like I couldn't breathe. I stepped out to find my dad and it all stopped almost as quickly as it started. I avoided going into other open cells after that. Fast forward maybe an hour or whatever and we were looking into cell block 14, which is one of the most haunted cells in the prison. I'm pretty sure they closed it to the public because of how much happened there. Anyway, I turned on the audio tour for that block and it got about halfway through when the radio thing died. I was like, huh, that's weird. I thought it was at full battery. And I thought they charged these before the next round of people, but things happen. So I walked away closer to the hole, solitary confinement, and it turned back on full battery. I was really confused because I didn't press anything, but that's when I started to feel like something is happening. A couple Mm -hmm. minutes later, we went on a guided tour of the hospital ward because you can't just walk into the hospital and look around. It has to be timed with a guide. We were walking through listening to the tour guide and he was telling us about the youngest inmate ever incarcerated, a 13-year-old girl. One of the women on the tour asked what she did to be put in this place and I 
without having done any prior research, and even later when I was home trying to find information on this girl, couldn't find anything on her, somehow knew that she had committed arson. Sure enough, the tour guide Hmm. answered, arson. My heart freaking dropped into my stomach. I was so thoroughly freaked out at that point, but we couldn't just leave in the middle of the tour, so we persisted onward into the surgery room where my brother's phone just died and then turned back on like the audio tour did. I also felt something tap my leg in there. After we left the prison, I felt so drained and really sick. This had happened before in the past when my friend and I stupidly played with a homemade Ouija board and she said that one of her other friends has had the same thing happen to him when they play or go somewhere haunted and informed me that I might be a battery for ghosts. Fantastic thing to tell a 13-year-old that believes in ghosts. I later had a panic attack that night because I was convinced something had attached itself to me and followed me home. The panic attack was so bad that I ended up throwing the Benadryl my mom gave me to help my stomach not feel sick. I guess that royally backfired. I also slept with a rosary clutched in my hand that night to help me feel better. So those are a couple quick stories. I might send a few more because I have more, but some are nicer than others. These two are the creepiest and I thought I would get these out of the way. Thanks for reading. Stay spooky. CL. I mean, well, I guess starting with that last one, there's more than just being a battery for or or a beacon for Mm -hmm. all of the spiritual activity. It makes me think that I, I can't remember which one of the Claire's it is, but with the clairvoyance or or whatever, they're able to get the information downloaded into them from the spirits. The fact that they were able to identify exactly before the tour guide even said who this person was, what they were in for, and just have all that information. Like clearly they're absorbing the energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. It's really cool. That's amazing. It's something that I feel like CL could totally channel and work on if Mm -hmm. they felt the desire to. Yeah. But I also understand that it would be really draining. And to go, I mean, for as many things that happen to CL in the Eastern State Penitentiary, like I totally understand maybe not wanting to do that consistently, but fascinating. And if you're going on a ghost tour, I think there is some element of or some desire to experience something. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you yes. got your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Oh, the hole. Why does every place have a hole? I know. It's so awful. Yeah, it is awful. <sighs> oh, man. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, and then also the the fact that CL's house is haunted to the point where CL's brother is waking up and screaming. Oh, I know. That's so – I'm just thinking of their parents right now. How it's horrifying. Like, how horrifying <laughs> to wake up to that. And then you want to tell your kids, like, there's nothing to be scared of. Everything's fine. Your house is safe. But then when something like that happens, how do you how do you backtrack out of that? You don't. You don't. <laughs> You're just like, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Ghosts are real, my friend. My child. So sorry. They are here. Mm-hmm. But I do love that CL's mom had a talking to the spirit and things kind of calmed down. Yeah. It's like, can you stop, please? Dang. Yeah. Should we go to Tennessee? I mean, I feel like if we're going to Brushy, Corinne, we're close enough to Waverly Hills in Kentucky that we should just do um Let's just double dip. Let's do like a a five day, five different sanatoriums, penitentiaries, asylums. Like go to all those places. Great. That have been high on our list. We will need like full days between just we'll travel and then also just to recharge. To recover. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Maybe we'll find Bigfoot along the way. The first leg of our (laughs) of our road trip. Lovely. Right? Lovely. (laughs) One day. Oh, it would be so fun. We should really do it. Yeah. Manifest, manifest. Manifest. I always say manifest, but like we can do whatever we want. That's true. Just 
do it. Just do it. But we still should manifest because that's also. But yeah. we still have to manifest. What a cool episode and a lot of history. And I feel like I learned a lot. So thank you, Corinne. Yeah. There, there was. Hey, it was all new to me too before. Yeah. My three days of, of research. Diving deep into this place. But it's fascinating. Very fascinating. Yeah. We learned a lot about, yeah, the horrors of the past, but then also we got gems like Geronimo. 53 pounds of of uh, roast beef and Geronimo. Exactly. Yeah. What would you label if yourself? If anyone's getting married there or has been married there, please let yeah. us know. I want to see pictures. What would you label yourself on the box? What would you have written? 170 pounds of steel. Nope. Wow. I was going, my brain, straight dirty. Whoa. Why am I, steel why what? Am I like this? What were this? you going to say? Steel what? Vagina. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. I, I would have put like wide wide load. <laughs> I would have put like cherries or something like fruit. Fragile. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I would put. There's so many possibilities. Roast beef might be you, roast beef's just the, the original is the best. It's so funny. Right. I mean, let's let's be real. They did have a year to think about that. I wonder if it was an in the moment thing when they were like, Oh shit, what are we gonna label you as? Or if they were like, we this know. is how we get him out. <laughs> they never check the roast beef roast boxes. Beef. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Fascinating. As is everything well. paranormal. And so if you have any paranormal experiences or anything just weird and creepy and cryptid and supernatural in any way, please email it to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. And also join us on Campfire Stories on Spotify Live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern and share your stories live with us. Mm-hmm. You can also join us here on YouTube. We're here in person. It's close as we can get to being in person right mm-hmm. now. And on our Patreon, we give you the scoop on on everything that we're doing new and exciting. You can join before November 30th and you will get a holiday card from us. Yes. Otherwise, just tell everybody about us, rate, review, follow us on social media, do all the things, uh, purchase merch if you're planning on getting any merch for friends, significant others, for yourself for the holiday, do so sooner rather than later because we were alerted to the fact from our distribution site that things, in order to get them in time for the end of December, you likely will have to order it by the first week of December. So just skip that order. Get that in your mind. now. Yeah, order it. Okay. okay. Uh, but we love you. We do. We're happy you're we here. We love you all. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.